We're proud to be partnered with the Kentucky Thoroughbred Development Fund. Purses in Kentucky are powered by the KTDF and have led to an incredible enhancement to the Kentucky racing scene. KTDF dollars in purses are for Kentucky bred horses only. So breeding in Kentucky is the best way to maximize profits and return on racing and breeding investments because of the benefits from the KTDF. Kentucky racing in general continue to be on an incredible upward trajectory. For more information, please check out inthemoneypodcast.com slash KTDF. Hello and welcome to the In the Money Players Podcast. This is our Belmont Stakes Day simulcast edition. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornatel. I'm not in the Brooklyn Bunker because my wife has discovered that she really likes working in the Brooklyn Bunker. This, this is going to be interesting. You know, when it's video, I have a toe to stand on and say, um, you know, get out. I need the cool vinyl backdrop. But, you know, she's pretty sharp and she realizes in an audio only show, she can kick me out. So I'm up at the kitchen table. But uh, very excited to go through some of these races. Plenty of time between races on Belmont Day. And we're going to kick things off with our friends down on the Jersey Shore. Where I had a wonderful visit last weekend. Monmouth Park showing well as ever. And to talk about it, we're going to bring in a guy who does a fabulous job for us. Underrated job all year long covering various tracks. But does particularly, uh, particularly enjoy his Monmouth analysis. Not least because the races I didn't have the time to handicap last weekend. I followed him in blind and made plenty of money. He's Eric Solomon. Eric, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Peter. Thank you. How are you? Things are excellent, man. Getting excited for these two days at Belmont. Going to be out there for the last half of the card today. Oh, probably the pick six I'll try to make it for today. And then, of course, we got the big day going tomorrow. But, yeah, let's talk about some of these races that we can uh, sink our teeth into via the simulcast world, starting with race number seven at Monmouth. We've got this Jersey-bred maiden special weight going six furlongs on the dirt. Who did you like in here? We only have one first-time starter, so I, you know, imagine it's one of the ones with uh, established form that you'll be going with. What, what, what do you think? I, I did. A, a lot of these horses ran back uh, on the twenty-first of May. Uh, there, there was a maiden special weight race that was split into two divisions. There, um, speed was definitely holding well that that day. So, so. It, Kind of took that into consideration. I ended up making a grouch, the three horse, my top pick in that race. He was coming out of the faster of the two maiden special weight races there. Um, and it was a pretty even race. Uh, the winner, Bustin' Loose, is a really nice horse who just came back to win, uh, to clear the uh, non-winners of one condition uh, in New Jersey. Uh, he got home last week as a pretty big favorite in that race. So he was beaten by a good horse in the faster race. Kent Sweezy's horses tend to not be fully cranked for their first start. So after their second and third starts, they, they tend to run better. So I, I thought he ran pretty well for uh, debuting for that barn. Uh, I think he's going to come back and run a real nice race. Uh, the other horse I'm going to use on the A-line there uh, is Max's Glory. He ran in the slower of the two races, but he just missed by a desperate nose as, as a pretty big long shot in, uh, in his first race on dirt. He was making his first start since the Meadowlands meet that day. Uh, yeah, uh, sh- showed some speed. Just just missed that day. Um, I do expect this horse to also run back to that race. So th- those are the two horses that I think are the main contenders there. A uh, horse I'm going to use on the B- B-line, a little bit of a price, the one horse uncaptured deputy. He debuted in that same race that uh, Grouch was coming out of. 
Uh, it was just, just a miserable trip, just off slow, steady down the backside, ended up finishing sixth. I think going to see a better effort this time. I, I actually have a, his uh, full sister is running today at Monmouth uh, in, in a turf sprint. And I actually like that horse uh, Parisian vibe in the fifth race on Friday. Um, but, but I, I think this horse has a decent shot as a long shot here. So uh, three, five on the A line for me, one on the B line. Let's move on to race number eight. We've got an allowance race going six furlongs on the dirt and a field of 10 going postward. Timeform us has coded this as one that is likely to favor horses from off the pace. How do you see the pace? Who do you like to win? Uh, um, I, I definitely agree with uh, that that assessment. I there is a lot of early speed, uh, assuming all uh, ten horses start in this race. Um, I, I ended up looking at Senate Chamber, uh, the ten horse on the outside, as a horse that can kind of track the early speed and make a make a make a run on the turn. This is a horse that that really ran well here last year. Uh, started four times at the meet, was was a winner in three of those races, and uh, second place. Uh, narrowly in beaten by command performance, the Todd Pletcher horse that uh, was a great at stakes place as a maiden. Uh, that one finally broke the maiden back or broke maiden at Monmouth and then also won that first level allowance last year. He, he was a close second to that horse last year. Um, making the first start since sort of a fifth place finish in the Zia park Derby back in November. So we don't see too many uh, Zia to Monmouth horses. No. Uh, <laughs> But but it was working at Oaklawn. Uh, I think initially the, the plan was to bring this horse back at Oaklawn with uh, Hollendorfer's horses. Didn't make the Oaklawn meet, so now comes back for the first time. Uh, ran really well in sprint races last year, even though the last four races were two turn routes. I, I think this horse has has a big shot here and six to one. I'll take that all day with this one. Like the sound of it. Who do you like to come with Senate Chamber uh, in here? I'm also going to use Powerfully Built. Uh, this is a seven year old gelding that that just kind of shows up every time run 22 races at Monmouth, 13 of them. He's finished first or second. He's been in good, really good form right now for Jack Abrams. was second uh, in a pretty fast race at Goldstream last time out. Uh, it's just can kind of do anything on the track. We, we won a race on synthetic back in March coming from off the pace, but can also win on the front end. I, I think Paco Lopez will, will kind of sit back a little bit with, with some of the other speed in this race, but I, I think there's a horse that, that's dangerous in here too. Other horse I'm going to use on the A line is number six, Magical uh, Magical Warrior. He beat powerfully uh, built at Tampa in a Florida bred uh, stakes race back on the end of March. Last two races weren't weren't great. W- was fifth in the Mister Prospector here. Uh, Lightning Larry, who he beat uh, at Tampa, just ran a monster race uh, to win the Mister Prospector last time out. So he was fifth in that race. This is some class relief. I another horse, kind of mid pack that, that could be coming from off the pace to kind of catch some of those early the horses that are going to be. I, I think are going to be setting a pretty quick early pace. I will back up with one of the speed horses. I think I think of the speed horses, the best horse is uh, SWAT Analysis, the eight horse. Uh, going to have to prove that he can win outside of the fairground. So we'd like to get a little bit better than seven to two on this horse. Uh, the last race at Aqueduct was not great. However, those, those races in uh, State Bread Company in Louisiana were really good. And if uh, I think he might be fast as well of them from that outside post. So might just be able to kind of out sprint them to the lead and just kind of keep finding, especially if uh, speed is playing well on the course. So I'll cover with the eight on the B line. 
I like that approach with those three horses. You think you're going to get the best trips, but always leaving in the best of speed because we see that scenario, you know, all over the place. And particularly mm-hmm. at Monmouth some days, if you get speed tilted, seems like one that it would be good to have on side. We've got a hundred thousand dollar stakes race up next in the form of the ladies' secret three and up mile and a sixteenth on the dirt and a field of eight going postward. We've got uh, a favorite here listed on the morning line. Little Dan Fogelberg uh, uh, reference in the name for leader of the band. I like that. This one, second off the layoff. Are you with leader of the band or against here in The Lady Secret? I, I am I am going to be all in on leader of the band. I, I, I just think she's the best horse in this race. She, she loves running at Mama. She was a winner of this race last year. Uh, she, she ran really well in the Molly Pitcher, uh, you know, grade three stakes on the Haskell undercard after that. She just always seems to show up here. She was a winner of the Monmouth Oaks back in uh, 21. She she typically needs a race before she runs uh, her best races, but but I, I thought she was really good coming off the layoff. Uh, yes, she was she was kind of lone speed uh, in a race that didn't have a lot of pace in it uh, in the Serena song last time out. Chad Brown had distinctly possible who ran a monster race that day to kind of you know run against the bias and, and get up to win that race. I think she's second off the layoff. I just think she's the best horse in this race. So I'm not going to play around. I'll take the short price uh, because I think there's some other long shots that are interesting, especially in the next race. Interesting. What about the Chad Brown runners in here? Will either of them factor in your ABC? So if, um, if, if I do back up, uh, you you know, on maybe like a C line, you know, kind of um, signal from noise would be the one that I'd use over, over gerrymandered there's no rider named on gerrymander. They're both Clarovich horses. Um, and Sammy Camacho does ride uh, first call at Monmouth for Brown. So he, he's on the one. So, so my guess is that gerrymander is going to scratch. However, if gerrymander's in, I, I I'm would definitely would, would appreciate it. Cause I, I think they're going to bring, you know, make the price a little bit better on leader of the band. Um, really outside of the mother goose for, for gerrymander, there really isn't any other race that, that, would be competitive with this field. And so five to two on that one, just not really into that signal from noise will be making the first time at first start since March, first time at two turns in this race. Um, but so certainly bred to do that has run really well in those races. Um, I just don't think she's as good as leader of the band right now. Let's pivot to race number 10. We've got an allowance race going a mile and a 16th on the turf and an oversubscribed field in this one. Is this one of those spots where you might uh, reach out looking for a price or are you looking towards the lower end of the odd spectrum? Uh, I'm definitely looking for a price here. I'm, I'm not in love with uh, – Chad Brown has a runner in here. Uh, I think Todd Pletcher has two. I'm, I'm not in love with any of those horses. Um, I'm going to try Affable Monarch, the 7, 15 to 1 on the morning line. Love it as my top pick here. Um, mostly a dirt horse uh, in one is debut on dirt and uh, 10 of the 11 career races for this one have been on the dirt. Only one start came last year in the tail of the cat stakes finished fifth. Didn't, didn't run a bad race behind Fort Washington that day. It was beaten by quality G who, who is back in this race. Um, and, and then Jorge Duarte brought the horse back to dirt and, and ran credible races. Didn't hasn't hasn't won since the debut, but but was running a lot of a lot of good races against some good horses uh, in, in Mid Atlantic. It was a good second uh, at Aqueduct uh, in the fall. This horse is uh, foaled by Social Queen, who was a, a Grade Three winner on turf, and she foaled Force the Pass, who was the winner of the Grade One Belmont Derby. I think that was twenty fourteen for that one. 
Um, so, so there's definitely ability, I think, to, to get over the turf course with this one. When, when you look back at that race, the tail of the cat, it was second off the layoff, kind of off a similar pattern to what he's racing now. And that was a career top figure at the time for this horse getting on the turf. So I, I think he's a better horse than we saw last year. Uh, I, I think 15 to one going to be completely overlooked in this race. And I think makes a lot of sense. Love it. Don't need too much um, of a push at that price. And yeah, just on the blood, social queen being out of Dynaformer. I mean, that's some great, mm-hmm. there should be great turf blood there. And and that race, while unimpressive back from uh, back in the tail of the cat, isn't exactly horrible. And I love the point you make about going back and looking at what happened figure wise. That can be maybe a subtle hint that, uh, that this horse really does want the green all along. Who else will be on your tickets here? Are you totally against the Browns and Pletchers? Uh, I, I'm going to use uh, Quality G on the B line. Uh, the, the other horse I'm going to put on the, or excuse me, I'm, I'm Quality G. Oh, sorry, is, is one I'm going to use. Uh, making his first start since uh, last summer, ran really well in two races here in, in stakes races. Uh, you know, my, my my concern about taking the short price on this horse is I was kind of j- just caught in the stretch in both races where where he kind of led and you know, maybe, maybe idled just a little bit, um, in both of those races, uh, both the Jersey Derby and the tail of the cat last year. We'll see if, you know, a little time off comes back as a four-year-old certainly, you know, certainly fits on figures in this race, getting class relief, moving out of uh, stakes company. Um, I'm going to put him on the ticket, but, but at at a short price, uh, especially in some of the, uh, vertical exotics, I'll, I'll probably try and beat him. Uh, Breakwater is another horse I, I like in this race. Uh, Shug McGahey, Paco Lopez. This, this might be an opportunity to get a, a decent price on Paco Lopez uh, at Monmouth because it always seems that uh, his horses are hammered at the window. But um, last race was not good at, at Aqueduct, but but it was a pretty – the course was labeled good. Uh, and I know, you know prior to that, there, there was you know a couple days – I mean, it feels like it was the last time it rained, uh, you know, ever, <laughs> at least at least here. <laughs> Uh, that, that week. So, so it was a this course definitely had some give to it. And, and this is always that, that seems to really run his best races on a really firm course. Uh, that That's certainly what he's going to get today or, or on Saturday at uh, Monmouth. So, so I think there, there's a chance for that horse to run a big race. I like the sound uh, of it. Any uh, others to mention? Uh, and, and then on the B line, I'm, I'm going to use Basso, the 10 horse. Uh, this is just a horse that, that just always kind of shows up, doesn't win a lot. So he's probably a better horse to use underneath maybe the uh, exactus and trifectas. But he just always kind of shows up and he's right there at the end. He, he was he was there uh, in his first start of the year when facing uh, at, at this level last time out. I, I, th- I don't think that field was was as talented as this field, but he just missed in that race. Didn't get the greatest trip either. Um, he's shown that, that he can run at longer distances. So, you know, may have a stamina edge. I I just think this is a nice horse that that certainly could add some value on the trifectas, especially. Yeah, I I can see that one in another big price, potentially a a real race to make some noise in with the, the famous name trainers, not necessarily being the ones you need on every ticket anyway. Let's talk about the nightcap. We've got another maiden. We're going a mile and a 16th field of seven going post. We're interesting that mom at the racing office, they, they, they seem to be putting these shorter field dirt races late in the card. I got to figure out what that's about. It doesn't, it doesn't really necessarily jive in the exotic world with the way that a lot of horse players want it, but Hey, if you can find one to nail on the end to anchor down your late picks, I suppose there's no issue with it. Who do you like to close things out? Sure. Um, 
Yeah, this is a race where I'm going to try and beat the favorite. Uh, Life on the Nile, a beautifully bred horse, she just does does not seem to want to win a race. Um, you, you know, looking back at that, watching that last race again, they, they went pretty quick early, but but there's really no reason he should not have won that race, um, and and just kind of got caught at the end. Um, to me, the only way I'd use them is underneath me, exactus or trifectas. Um, and, and I'm not in love with the uh, Kelly Breen first time starter with Paco Lopez, uh, Gabagool. I, it's really more of a sprint oriented pedigree. So starting at two turns in here, I'm not not loving that choice. Uh, I'm going to use the both of the New York invaders, uh, both second time starters. Uh, and I'm going to make disappearance the uh, top pick number six. Uh, Robert Falcone has done really well with the with the horses that he's had here so far. He's brought twelve horses to this meet up to this point. Five of them were winners, and another five on the board. Uh, so, so every horse that's coming here just feels live. He's got good numbers with horses going from sprint to route. Uh, good magic horses just seem to be winning all over the place right now. Um, so a horse is a, could be a little bit overlooked. Uh, that debut was not bad. It, it's certainly better than it looked on paper. It, it, was, it was a better field, just kind of slow into stride, ended up passing a couple of horses, you know, down the backside. I, I think you see a better effort from this horse at two turns. And then, then I'll also use the Chad Brown runner, Army Times. Uh, I think this is another horse that's going to improve at two turns on the dirt. Um, the damn paid-up subscriber uh, if that name sounds familiar, that, that was the horse that won the shoe V, uh, about, about six or seven years ago by, I think the 32 and a half lengths was, was the, uh, margin of victory in that race. Um, and, and then after that had to get surgery and I, I don't think we saw her again after that. Um, but, but prior to that, she gave, um, she gave songbird all she could handle in the Ogden Phipps on Belmont day that year. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Um, good. 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 Yeah. So I, I think I think this is a horse that certainly makes a lot of sense in longer races on dirt. Uh showed a little bit of interest before backing out in the sprint uh last time out at Aqueduct. So, so I, I think we'll see a better effort from this horse there. Um and then, then on the B line, I'm gonna use Rush Center. Um I, I like this, uh I like the pattern of, of speed figures for this one. Paired the two buyers uh sprinting at the fairgrounds. Um, they weren't great races, but they, they were certainly weren't terrible. And there were some pretty good fields that he was up against down there. Um Grant Forrester brought him to Keeneland where he was claimed, uh broke the maiden, well, finished first, uh, but was was disqualified that day in a fifty thousand dollar maiden claiming. Uh was claimed that day by Robert Mosco, brought him to Monmouth and, and just missed. Um and again, that was a day where, where speed was good. Um and so, so he was making up a lot of ground um, and not many closers were, were making up that kind of ground um, on, on that course last time. So now we, we've seen him kind of pair those two buyers now uh, in route races. So, so I'd see him as a horse that could move forward here as well. Lots of great ideas on this late pick five at Monmouth. Have you gotten out there yet or is that a trip going to be happening soon? No, it's soccer. Soccer's over. We've got, we've got baseball or uh baseball working down at the ballpark uh for for two straight weeks so uh, i'm gonna hope to get there uh in in about two weeks uh, if, if our schedule works out if not I, I will definitely be down in july i thought of you the other day because we were out for the cyclones morning game 
on <laughs> on uh, on Wednesday, which I I know is something that you guys do at the ballpark as well. And of course, it was the day when we really started to see the crazy weather, and it was so weird. I felt bad for the team in a way because they had sold six thousand tickets. Yeah. There might have been two hundred and fifty people there. <laughs> Yeah, and that's so. I mean, here we that night we we had a night game that day, and, and you could just see like, like around like the sixth or seventh inning, this wall of smoke started kind of like rolling through, and you know, fortunately, we were kind of not there for much of it that day. But they were I mean, able to complete the game. A, I'm sorry, they were able to complete the game. They finished that game. I think that it might have been Tuesday night that that was happening. Gotcha. Um, and then the Wednesday game was canceled here, and then things started to kind of – yesterday morning was, was rough, and then things started to kind of clear up pretty drastically here. Yeah, and, and, and that was the case for you guys too. up there. Yeah, we saw blue sky yesterday. The Yankees played. They're racing mm-hmm. today. They'll, they'll be racing tomorrow unless something radical happens. But, boy, I'll just give the generic – plug to minor league baseball you know the way they reorged it they got rid of a bunch of teams but the ones that are still out there it's a it's a fantastic way to spend the afternoon and the best benefit of there being so few people there the mascots Perrin loves her mascots and they made <laughs> multiple visits multiple photos it was uh, it was great we really had a uh, a terrific time out there and i'm sure it's the same get look give a give a quick plug to your ballpark so, so uh, we, we have a stand, it's uh, the, the spot and is the name of our stand. It's at FMB Field in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, home of the Harrisburg Center's AA affiliate for the Washington Nationals. Awesome. So so it, it's a really cool stadium because we're, we're it's kind of on a small island in the uh, Susquehanna River. Um, oh, so so, cool. so we, we've, uh, it's, it's called City Island. So it, it's a kind of a, you know, a land that was developed uh, – in, in the late, you know, early to mid to late 1980s. And they put the stadium there, brought baseball back to Harrisburg after several years of not having a team here. Um, and, and so they've been playing on city Island since now, 1987. Um, so, so, so it's definitely a neat venue to uh, check out a game. And they said that they, they do a nice job with uh, on the field entertainment there. Um, and you know, I don't want to brag, but 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 our, our you can't beat our food there. So I love it. Yeah, I've heard tell. I think that was the stadium. Gosh, I don't know if you'll even know what I'm talking about here, but the old fantasy focus baseball pod that ESPN used to do that I used to love uh, with Tristan um, and um, and uh, oh my god, how am I spacing on the other fellow's name who I listened to a thousand times? Um, ESPN regulars though. And they would, the ballpark food was a big, big love of theirs. And I believe they specifically name checked uh, your, 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 your guys' stadium on there. So I know it's serious. And I would imagine I'm, you know, we know somebody, so I'm hoping if we were to come down, do you think we'd be able to arrange a photo with a mascot? Oh, uh, Rascal, who is the river monster, monster, the mascot is, is uh, regular at our stand. Always, you know, he's got his routine where he comes up to our stand and, you know, gets a whiff of the hot dogs and everything cooking on the grill. <laughs> So, so, so we, we could certainly make that happen. Excellent. At some stage that will for sure. How late does the season double A season goes right through the end of August, right? So, so actually we, we have a two week break. So we, we have that last week in August uh, and then we're off over Labor Day. We have a week off after that. And then we get one extra week at the, at the last. So it's like the middle of September. That, that oh, it runs. Yeah. That's very interesting. All right. We're going to, 
We're going to pick up this thread and pull on it a little bit later in the summer. Really appreciate you uh, being on the show here today, and we'll look forward to reading you over at InTheMoneyPodcast.com. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Peter. Among our sponsors today are our friends at OBS. OBS sells more two-year-olds than any other sales company in the world. Their two-year-old sales combined account for 14% of the graded stakes placings since 2018. Check out their website. There's video. There's information about the horse's pedigree. You can see training. You can see walking. A two-year-old buyer is not only buying the horse's potential, but also the expertise of the horseman that prepares these horses for their future. And this is an international marketplace. OBS horses have been purchased by buyers from 49 of the 50 U.S. states, Korea, Japan, the Middle East, Hong Kong, Singapore, and Europe, June 13th through 15th. That's the next sale under TAC, June 5th through 10th for 2023. June, two-year-olds and horses of racing age. Make sure to check out the OBS website, obssales.com. That's obssales.com. Next up on the show, very happy to bring in an old friend, somebody who I wish was going to be with me as he was for the first few years of my 27-year Belmont Stakes streak, because as we all know, 2020 doesn't count. He's been uh, out in California since, and he's one of the people I always want to talk to when it comes to things California racing. We'll be hanging out with Drew Coatney this weekend in the Eddie Logan Suite. I imagine he is Frank Scatoni. Frank, what's going on? All right, Pete. You know, uh, if it weren't for you in the 1996 Belmont Stakes, an editor's note, I might still be in New York City making photocopies of manuscripts. <laughs> <laughs> photocopies? I was more wrestling wrestling with the photocopier that's the way that, that i remember it. i've never laughed harder at a movie scene maybe 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 derek smalls going through the metal detector and spinal tap the close yeah. second but the scene the scene in office space with, with where they take the old photocopier out into the desert and uh <laughs> that that i mean that was our lives for many years so. oh my gosh yes and for all you young kids out there who don't know what a photocopy machine is Trust me, you don't want to know. You don't want to know. In this case, ignorance truly is bliss. And I do recommend you rent both of those films or, uh, you know, rent, I say. Well, I guess you can rent streaming, so it's not a completely dated term. But check out uh, Office Space and Spinal Tap. Thank me later. Um, So I know you did a write-up of – I'm not going to have you even tell your Belmont pick, but I want you to plug your website so folks can go and read your Belmont analysis there. Yeah, frankscatoni.com kind of just set up a site to curate everything that I'm doing, uh, whether it's the stuff at Santa Anita, my stuff, upcoming stuff at Del Mar, all the stuff I do for, for you guys at In The Money. And I uh, thought it would be an opportunity to do some things on my own outside the realms of uh, these other entities. So this week, I just decided to write about the Belmont Stakes, nothing crazy there, but I did my horse by horse analysis of the race. So go check it out. I also gave my opinion on all this chatter on Twitter about the spacing of the Triple Crown. I'll let you guys read it and formulate your own opinions. And if you have uh, anything to add, you can tweet me at Scatoni Shoreshot. Uh, love to hear from you. Good stuff. I do. I do have the, I agree with you and your opinion on the Triple Crown, but I, you know, in one of these it's so racing things. I, I wouldn't be surprised if change is coming soon in that regard. And when it does, we will. I mean, I, I was going to say look, we should debate it, but at that point, it'll be too late. But I appreciate <laughs> the point of view you're putting out in the world. Folks should definitely check that out. You know, we've covered the topic before. If you want to go back through the archives, we had a great uh, chat 
with uh, Stephen Christ just over a year ago about this very issue. But we are here today to talk about Santa Anita. This is the Belmont Stakes simulcast show, and there's the races go late, and there's loads of time between them. But hey, if you haven't had enough after the Belmont runs at whatever it's going to be, 7.05, you can look right to Santa Anita. If you need some get-out races, the get-out pick four starts out with these three-year-old fillies in the grade three honeymoon going a mile and an eighth on the Santa Anita turf with a field of eight going forward. Before you give us your thought on this race, Frank, let me know what you think of this sequence in general. Is this one you're looking forward to sinking your teeth into? Yeah, I really I really like this sequence. I think there's some good competitive races, some quality horses. Uh, it's one of those one of those sequences where I can uh, you know have some opinions. I can kind of plant a flag play my a lines uh, multiple times because it, it shouldn't be too expensive when I, when I map it out, but yeah, I think it's a great sequence before we talk about it. I just want to say though, you know, no regrets moving to California 23 years ago, but I will say if I ever have two FOMO moments during the year, it's <laughs> Belmont stakes day and Travers day, two of my favorite days of racing. So um, looking forward to, to the card at Belmont tomorrow. And like you said, Pete, uh, pace yourself. It's going to be a long day, but don't sleep on the on the late pick four at Santa Anita and also the golden hour pick four. Some really good races with some some good opportunities. And folks can read your analysis of that over at SantaAnita.com under the, the handicapping tab, right? Yeah. the uh, If you click on the wagering tab, then there's an expert section with uh, uh, where you can find my picks. Great. And that links back to us, too, and Dean's analysis, if you want That's an right. extra opinion. I feel like between Dean and Frank, I, you know, obviously, I love doing the work. I haven't done the work today. I've been too busy. But uh, between those two guys, you, you, you're in pretty good shape when it comes to Santa Anita. And, of course, there's so much more great info you can link to there, as well as great stuff on the broadcast from uh, Michelle and company. Michelle going to be here in New York. We'll have to go and uh, bother her today, see if she wants to do some late-night karaoke. All right, let's get to this race, though. Who are you going to use to light this candle in the late pick four? Yeah, there are two horses I really, really like in this race. Uh, number two, Comanche Country, and number five, T in Conversation. Uh, I think there's going to be a decent amount of pace in this race, and uh, I think Comanche Country is just sitting on a big one. I've always liked her. I thought her juvenile campaign was really good. They thought enough of her to try her in the Breeders' Cup uh, juvenile Phillies turf. Uh, you know. The form line might not look so good, but I actually thought she ran a pretty decent race, all things considered. Not disgraced, yeah. No, not disgraced at all. I mean, her she still came home in under 24 seconds in a big full field. Um, but you look at her races this year, you think, okay, maybe she hasn't really trained on. But I, I'm willing to make excuses for both those races. She came off a long layoff in the China Doll. She ran second. She was beaten four lengths, but she, she was off a very slow pace, and uh, it just wasn't a good setup for her, and I think she was short. They tried her in the Edgewood at Churchill Downs. Didn't work out. Just draw a line through it. No big deal. She's back here in Southern California. I think this is a great spot for her. I think the added ground will help her out. And I really do think she's going to get a pace to close into, to, into today. So she will be one of my A's. And then my other A will be T in conversation. Uh, simply because I think this horse is going to relish the nine furlongs. Michael McCarthy, in my opinion, is one of the best and one of the most underrated trainers getting horses go longer distances. He knows how to put stamina into horses. And if you look at this, this horse's all, all her mile races, uh, she's running on late and she's coming home in really, really good time. So I believe that will translate into a, a peak performance today. She's eight to one on the morning line. 
I'm going to whack a pretty good exacta in this race with the two exacta box with the two and the five. Those are my A's. Right now, I'm thinking that's all I'm going to use because I'd like to get a little spready later on. But if you wanted some backups, you know, obviously the other D'Amato, number six, Paris Secret is obvious. Uh, and uh, not sure what to do with the four, Selenia, I guess. Um, coming here from Indiana, uh, Grand Downs, I don't know what they call it these days. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, anytime you well, have a- Indy, they're Coast- sponsors, Frank, so I have to, I have to chime Correct in. Correct me, please. What is it? Horseshoe Indy. Horseshoe Indy. Okay. I love those Horseshoe Indy races, by the way. And I think I think those turf races there are super competitive. So anytime you see a horse uh, from a shrewd trainer shipping from that circuit out here in California, I like to pay attention. So I would use that horse as a B as well. All right. Good stuff to kick things off. I, I agree with the McCarthy runner. I think also another angle there is just the bloodlines seem like more ground should be, uh, I think, well within her scope love starting off this pick four with those two a's and moving it right along to this uh, calbred allowance for fillies and mares three and up going a mile on the dirt and a field of nine turning up in this one this is one in in morning line terms anyway seems pretty open maybe a little bit of debate as to who the favorite's going to be where did you land yeah it is a very very open race and and i wouldn't be too quick to trust too many in here. Um, but I, one thing I do know is I, I expect this race to have a very fast pace. Um, several of this, these horses like to be on or near the lead. So I was looking for someone to maybe come running on a little bit late to pick up the pieces. So I landed on number three. She's a bit sassy as my top pick. She knows how to sit off the pace and pass horses. I think she'll be fit off of all those synth races at Golden Gate. Um, you know, we talked about this on the show before. There was a time when you could just almost automatically toss any horse coming from Golden Gate in Southern California. But over the last three or four years, that has not been the case at all. And a lot of times these Golden Gate horses uh, show up and run really well. But more importantly, the horse is moving into the Mullins barn. Uh, look, Mullins is no dummy. He's a knows his way, knows his way around a racehorse. This horse has never tried dirt, dirt before, and yet here she is in her first start for Mullins, and he puts her right on dirt. So I'm actually going to take the surface switch as a positive sign uh, because maybe Mullins sees something that the other trainers before didn't. The other thing is she's, and we've, we, we've talked about this many times when we handicapped together, just kind of a new face in an average crowd, right? Yep. So uh, why not why not take a shot with num- number three? She's a bit sassy uh, as the new face. And then the other horse I was going to use uh, was number four, Issacourt, 12 to 1 on the morning line. You know, Mark Latt bothered to take her for 20,000 last time. And here he is running her back for 40. So I really like that vote of confidence. I know she just won in wire fashion against weaker animals. But if you look at her PP, she doesn't really need the lead. She can stalk and pounce. And I think if, uh, you know, she can just kind of settle off the other speed horses, she's going to get a great trip. And the other thing that I really like is that Ramon Vasquez, who had some options in this race, rides through the claim. So that's that's a big thing to me. So my A's were going to be number three. She's a bit sassy. Number four, Issacourt. Uh, but again, I don't know. I don't know how much I want to trust them. Uh, so if you're looking for backups, I think number five, Starship Defiant. Number six, Sunshine Babe. And then number eight, Tizzy Twister could kind of uh, be your backup backup horses if you want to spread a little deeper in this race. It makes sense to me, and I like your top pick of she's a bit sassy. Jeff Mullins knows his way around the shed row, knows his way around the weight room too, Frank. 
<laughs> That's right. Yeah, there was a time when he was a, a competitive uh, bodybuilder. So, uh, man does it all. Uh, a renaissance man. Let's talk about race number nine. <laughs> Allowance race. We're going six and a half on the turf. This is on the downhill. We've got a field of nine. Who will be on your tickets? Yeah, you mentioned, you know, Tepin morning lines from the last race, but we got another one here. You know, uh, super, super competitive race. The morning line favorite is number eight, Unconquerable Keen at three to one. No knocks, really. Um, just facing tougher today, but this horse has done nothing wrong in his U.S. starts. He's drawn favorably outside, has tactical speed. Whenever I look at these downhill races, I always start from the outside and I move in because if I can find a horse with tactical speed on the outside who's just going to get a good in-the-clear trip with no trouble, um, I, I feel like I got, already got a good a good beat on the race. So I think you have to use number eight, Unconquerable Keen. That being said, you know, it is a tougher group, so I wanted to dig a little deeper. Uh, nothing clever with number four, Count of Amazonia. Second choice, total pros, run some big races down the hill, has a win at this level back in February, and last time, he ran another good one at this level, but he lost to a horse who set a track record. So no shame there. Count of Amazonia, just a total pro, has to be on the tickets. But I'm going to throw out a little sneaky one as my other A in this race, number seven, Don't Swear Dave, number 15, uh, 15 to one on the morning line. You know, this is a lightly raced four-year-old who should move forward big time today after running half a race last time, coming off a very long layoff. Toss it, simple prep race. Look back, his one downhill try last year was a really good performance, resulted in a win from the rail, no less. And uh, as I mentioned, I like to look from the outside in because it's very tough to win uh, the downhill races in a big full field when you're breaking from the rail. So I thought this horse showed a lot of ability winning that race. I also think he has the right tactical style to get the trip in here. I, I Number seven, don't swear, David, 15 to one is, is very, very interesting to me. So those would be my A's. And then, you know, that's that's kind of where I am. If I wanted some backups, maybe I'd use the two pipey horses as B's, but I'm not overly crazy about those. Uh, I think if I go three deep on my A line, um, I got a pretty good shot to get out of here, especially sitting pretty in the last race if number seven, don't swear, Dave wins. Yeah, that's a great idea. I love that one from a condition point of view. Maybe I will list the five and the six as C's sure. for you. Does that sound about right? No, I'd, I'd list them as B's and then, you know, I would price it out and maybe just start writing out some tickets and just kind of see. Um, but, you know, obviously I'm, I'm going to, I'm like I said in the beginning, I'm going to whack my A-lines pretty good in this yeah. sequence. Makes sense. You're not going, you've got some interesting separator type runners and you know two by two by three heading into the pay leg which is race number 10 our nightcap starter allowance we're a mile and an eighth on the turf in another race the time form has this one favoring runners to come from off the pace is that how you see it and how are we going to get paid yeah i do i do see it that way i do expect there to be a, a decent enough uh amount of speed in here uh, this is a really good race, and it's a super competitive race. And I, and I kept looking at it and looking at it, and I was confused when I first started to handicap. But then the more I looked, uh, the more I, I liked two horses. And, and uh, you know, I feel pretty good about my A's in here. And that's uh, in order. I like number 10, Seven Charms, and number 6, Explain This Audit. Seven Charms was a top pick for me last time at this level. Um, I actually thought the horse would go off favorite in that race based on that solid allowance form. 
but the horse was sent off at a tepid six to one, which kind of makes me think that uh, the barn knew it was just a, a run around the track and, and more yep. of a prep race coming off a long layoff. So I don't days. think seven. Yep. Tr- I'm sorry. It was a 300 day layoff. So I hear what you're saying there. Yeah. So, and you know, McCarthy is super patient. Uh, the reason why I really like the horse though, is because came off a similar layoff uh, in a starter allowance before and ran second, ran really well. And then McCarthy bumped the horse up into, uh, you know, proper allowance company. So I was kind of thinking maybe that would be the same thing. Uh, but I, I think the horse was a little short. The horse also had a lot of trouble. If you go back and watch the replay of that race, it was kind of a rodeo. In the final 16th, uh, there was a lot of bumping and drifting of horses going on. So it wasn't really a clean race. And Seven Charms did get a little squeeze. I don't know if, if, if he was going to win anyway, but he definitely had some trouble. And I expect him to move forward big time today. And like I said, you know, some of those proper allowance races would, would easily beat this field. And I also like that, you know, the horse gets an extra furlong to play with. I mentioned McCarthy so good at finding the bottom in horses. So number 10, seven charms is, is a top pick for me. Uh, and, and a very likely, very likely a win bet in, in this competitive field. And then I'll go for number six, explain this audit. I've liked this horse a few times before at this level, never really put it together. And then uh, all of a sudden, you know, um, horse shows up in <laughs> some much tougher races and in some stakes races. So, uh, you know, the barn obviously thinks the horse has some ability. So dropping back down into this starter allowance, I expect explain this audit to run much better. Has always had a really nice closing kick and a stretch run, but has always been a little too far out of it. So I think Delasse does the smart thing, adds blinkers today. Uh, you know, like I said, I backed this horse a bunch of times before. So once once more unto the breach for me with number six, explain this audit. I think number six and number 10 are going to come from off the pace. and. Uh, you know, if we can get paid with a six to one or a 12 to one on the morning line in the last leg, I think the sequence could be really, really good. That's terrific. You noted that before about horses you've backed in the past. Do you keep, what kind of notes do you keep on that? I, I feel like I should do more with that. Unfortunately, I only do it. I only note it when I remember it. And my memory's like a sieve these days. If I don't have it written down, sometimes it just goes, you know, right through the cracks. But is, is that something that you found to be a useful angle looking at Horses maybe you like the last time and then they come back and better circumstances, et cetera. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I do a lot of extensive note keeping with, with my buddy, Tom Quigley in, in formulator. So I do keep track of a lot of that stuff, but you know, I, uh, I kind of hold grudges like, uh, like, like Stalin. So <laughs> I know if a horse screwed me once, twice, three times before it's kind of stuck in my head, you know? So uh, that fourth time I'm kind of, you know, thinking, is this going to be a Scatoni off angle where I finally get off the horse and the horse wins? Or am I going to stick with the horse one more time? So, uh, you know, as horse players, it's funny the things that we remember and the things that we kind of latch on to for better or worse. But this is one of the things, if I really, really like a horse uh, and the horse doesn't win, it's stuck in my brain. And I know next time I have to make a tough decision. Uh, but like you said, if the horse comes back in a, in a favorable spot, then it's a no brainer. But if the horse kind of comes back in a similar spot and, um, you know, there's some other horses in that race who, who figure to run well, the decision becomes a lot, lot trickier. Yeah, and it's good to know if you can look objectively and evaluate when maybe the horse was unlucky and had a legitimate excuse versus what would be more of a no-finish trip. I feel like some of the best and most underrated betting angles are betting against 
what I'd call stealing the Mike Maloney term, no finish horses, those horses that we liked, everything was supposed to be right for them on the last day and everything went fine and they just didn't do it. Like those are typically the, the those are the ones you want to get off. And I would say in, 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 I know what you mean. You remember the ones that beat you and you can moot the, the Scatoni off or Fornatel off angle. But, but a <laughs> lot of times you're just getting off of next out losers. And obviously that sometimes is, you know, staying away from these horses is sometimes as important as picking the winner. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. It's about, you know, if you think a horse that you liked had everything going for him in that race and didn't run the way you expected the horse to run, then yeah, that's kind of one that you want to get off. Uh, you know, but a lot of times, you know, you kind of second guess yourself, you start to make excuses. Oh, well, you know, maybe the pace wasn't fast enough or this and that. So it kind of gets in your head a little bit, but you know, these are decisions that we have to make every day as horse players. There are so many variables for us to, um, to consider, you know, I call it kind of call it like information triage. You have to figure out in, in a race, what's, you know, what are the most important factors that you want to rely on? It's an excellent point. Did you have any backups you wanted to mention in this last leg? Yeah, let me just see. I had number eight, Ghazali as a B, and number nine, nine eleven Turbo as a B. That horse actually won the, the race that I was talking about last time. Um, it was a it was a tough call for the stewards, but I don't disagree with with them taking this horse down. Um, you know, the horse did cause some interference and did did drift out, and the jockey kind of overcompensated. And I think that factored into the decision. Now, this was a horse that I wasn't expecting to run run well last time because it was a, a Drysdale horse coming off a layoff. But they bet this horse to favoritism, and the horse showed up. So I was wrong about that. Um, you know, we'll see if the horse can 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 you know move forward second off the bench, or maybe last time was the time and the horse was fully cranked. So that's kind of why I have that horse as a B. Um, but really, I mean, I I love my A's here, the six and the ten. Yeah, I, I think at the prices, they make a ton of sense. Look forward to following you in. We'll be uh, actually by that time, by the time this thing closes, we'll probably be in the backyard having some beers and sandwiches. I don't I don't think we're going to be wanting to go out after a day in the uh, garden terrace out there at, uh, at Belmont. But uh, if we are out, we'll just watch it on the phone. It's going to be a great day of racing. Obviously, amazing stuff happening in New York. I did a horse-by-horse analysis, too, of the Belmont, which you can read over at attheraces.com. may have mentioned that before, but hey, that's okay. And you can check out Frank's over at frankscatoni.com. Frank, we're going to give you uh, a couple weeks off here. When when does Santa Anita close? Do you have to, is it next well, week? Yeah, Golden Gate closes this weekend, so that's the end of the Golden Hour wagers. But Santa Anita has, has one last push next week. Um, I'll be doing the late pick four analysis for Santa Anita. And you know those cards are going to be loaded. Uh, the barns are going to be... Uh, the barn doors are going to be open. There's going to be a lot of entries. It's going to be great, great racing. So uh, sad to see the Santa Anita meet coming to a close, but uh, I think I think it's going to finish very strongly. And then, yeah, I'll take a couple of weeks break. Come back at Del Mar. I'll be doing my Saturday on-track seminar live at the races before uh, before first post. Um, I'll do, be doing my best bet live stream again on Sundays uh, at 11 a.m. and bringing dusting off a, an oldie but goodie but on thursdays because it's free admission and we got a lot of newcomers to the track i will be bringing back the newcomer seminar every thursday this meet at del mar so uh, i'm really that. excited about all that stuff yeah we gotta we gotta make sure we're gonna be we're in the process of putting a deal together with del mar i want to promote everything you're doing as part of it i'll be out there 
for yes. opening day. We're looking forward to my, you know, I've been there a bunch of Breeders' Cups and typically get to the fall meet once a year. But uh, I, since Saratoga expanded the last time, haven't been to Del Mar for the proper uh, summer meets. So really looking forward to that. Always a joy talking to you. We got to do some more fun stuff, but uh, really appreciate you coming on the show and your time today, my man. Yeah, well, you know, I'm going to make you sing for your supper when you come out here. So I'm going to have you do one of the seminars with me opening weekend. So <laughs> excellent. No, I'm happy yeah. with that. And, and, you know, from our team, obviously, Dean follows California really well and does a great job. But also the kid, Jackson, uh, who's been doing a great job writing up the golden hour for us over at in the money podcast.com had a chance to meet him at the pick your prize contest at Monmouth huge Frank Scatoni fan. So he was immediately, you know, I already appreciate him for all the work we did, but I have, I said like, do you know Frank? And he was like, Oh my God, my dad and I've been reading him for years. He was, he was, he, he looks at the world and just talking races through with him. He looks at the world the right way. He'd be an excellent guest for you as well, my friend. Yeah, no, that's that a, that's very nice to hear. And B uh, since you put him on my radar, I've been checking out his stuff and, he is, he's very sharp, so I would love to, at some point, have him uh, and talk to him about Del Mar, uh, Del Mar races once, once the Santa Anita stuff gets done. But, uh, yeah, it's always I – love, I love seeing uh, young people passionate about the sport, looking at the races in such an analytical and, uh, and unique way. So, uh, Jackson, way to go. Nice stuff. And, you know, another project I have for you, we are doing as part of our Horse Player Happy Hour, which starts in earnest – Next week, we were meant to start this week, obviously, the uh, apocalyptic uh, fire smoke getting uh, racing canceled uh, yesterday meant that we couldn't start the actual contest. It will be starting next week. You can probably sign up for that as soon as late Monday or early Tuesday on horseplayers.com. And we actually did a there's a live stream podcast, which folks can go back and check out uh, J.K., uh, and and I t- telling you all about the rules now that's going to work. But part of what we're doing is it's the 40th anniversary of the Breeders' Cup, and we are doing 40 stories of betting at the Breeders' Cup. So, Frank, start racking your brain. I want to have you for one. Your best Breeders' Cup betting story. I and- love it. That's such a great idea. I will definitely start uh, thinking about that. Very cool. Yeah, the idea was, I mean, it's going to be awesome to celebrate all these moments and races and horses and trainers and jockeys, but why leave the horse players out, right? Like, why can't we uh, do some stuff celebrating that? And many of them will be BCBC related, but you know, I don't want to go too much in, in any one direction. So we'll have a chance to just talk about uh, some of the, some of the great dates that we've had betting the Breeders' Cup over the years, which I know you've had several of. All right, buddy, I'll let you go, get on with your day. But once again, thank you for, for all your time. Thank you, Pete. And have a, have a great time this weekend. Tell, tell everybody I said, hello. I will. The crew is going to be out there and they will appreciate that. That's going to do it for this edition of the show. We'll thank Frank one more time. We'll thank our founding partners, 10 Strike Racing. We always love to root for the purple and black around here, as well as the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation. Uh, big love to Kim Weir, who's uh, dealing with some uh, some stuff that's uh, going to all work out fine, but just want her to know that she is very much in our thoughts and the work that she does for the TRF, helping horses, helping people through the Second Chances Foundation. We encourage you to give generously to this great cause, trfinc.org slash players. Most of all, though, I want to thank all of you, the listeners, for making these shows so much fun to do, for tuning into our live streams, for supporting Horse Player Happy Hour, for supporting In The Money Plus, where we've got some new fun stuff out this weekend as well, if you want to check that out, inthemoneypodcast.com slash plus. This show's been a production of In The Money Media. I'm Peter Thomas Fornital. 
May you win all your photos. Just me.